the badge on the hood really doesn't necessarily tell the whole story. You know, you really have some uh, some automakers that break that mold. That's really surprising to a lot of consumers who, like you were saying earlier, really just equate kind of the badge to the domestic nature of the vehicle. Hi, this is Peter Stork, and you're listening to Unscheduled Maintenance. It's that time of year where once again we celebrate the United States. So there's no better time for us to celebrate the impact that the auto industry has on this country and on its economy. Now, when you think about American-made and automobiles, your thoughts most likely steer immediately towards Detroit, GM, Ford, etc. But a vehicle's economic contribution is far more complicated than the name on the hood. So each year since 2006, the Cars.com editorial staff has produced the American-Made Index, a list of vehicles that have the greatest impact on local economies and their workforce. The 2020 list was released on June 23rd, and joining us today to discuss the ranking, including some changes to the methodology this year, is Cars.com Senior Consumer Affairs Editor Kelsey Mays. Thanks for joining us today, Kelsey, and I hope things are well. Yeah, they are. Thanks for having me on, Peter. Excited to talk about this. Very excited. I think it's a topic that uh, grabs a lot of people's attention this time of year or any, for that matter. And uh, very quickly, just to get into the nuts and bolts, literally and figuratively, can you run down the, the elements that are examined when ranking the vehicles? Yeah, so we look at a whole bunch of things. Uh, kind of the five main legs of the stool, if you will, are uh, assembly location. Is the vehicle actually built here? Uh, and if it's built here, you know, are all of its cars built here? Or does it split production between, you know, maybe some in the U.S. and some in Canada or Mexico or somewhere else? We also look at... Um, Parts percent, percentage of parts content. And that's kind of a complicated thing for consumers to envision, but every car actually since 1994 has been required to have uh, the percentage of US and Canadian parts. That's because of the American Automobile Labeling Act. Well, Canada, of course, is kind of considered part of that domestic pool. And so we go further than that. We look at uh, sourcing for the engines, sourcing for the transmissions to ensure that these very high value components are uh, majority U.S. parts, not uh, somewhere else, Canadian parts, for example. Uh, and then finally, we do a calculation of U.S. manufacturing workforce per manufacturer, uh, and we look at that compared to how many cars the manufacturer is producing to see how many people are actually employed making these cars and making their parts. Now, the way the list has been compiled has been updated over the last decade and a half, correct? And there were more changes in 2020? Yeah, we kind of went to that five-legged stool when we fully redesigned the index in 2017. For 2020, uh, we actually changed a large part of how we kind of present it. So in the past, we were really ranking the top 10 or 15 cars, 15 we changed to last year. But in order to get to a full ranking of all vehicles built in the United States, that meet some basic criteria, we had to do some tweaks to the methodology. So actually the 2020 numbers are not comparable to the 2019 numbers, but as a result of that, we are finally um, doing what a lot of people have wanted of the American Made Index for years and years, which is to kind of show the whole index. And so now we have 91 vehicles ranked. These are 91 cars all built in the United States that meet our basic criteria. It seems a little more fair to me because I know, you know, speaking from personal experience and I won't get into location or vehicle, but I, I own a vehicle that is a foreign owned company that was built 45 minutes from where I live which, you know, some people may be surprised by that. And it hasn't shown up on the top 10 recently. So to me, it's interesting to see where it ranks, knowing that it's built in this country. So it, it kind of expands that a little bit and, and kind of lets you know where everything lives on that list. So 
A- absolutely. I mean, the badge on the hood really doesn't necessarily tell the whole story. In fairness, uh, car companies based here in the United States tend to build a higher percentage of their vehicles in the United States versus ones that are based elsewhere. But you know, you really have some automakers that break that mold. Ones like Honda. Honda actually makes about two thirds of the vehicles that it sells here. It builds here, and so that's really surprising to a lot of consumers who, like you were saying earlier, really just equate kind of the badge on the hood to the domestic nature of the vehicle. One domestic automaker that's much newer to the game than the others is new to the list this year, correct? Yeah, it's Tesla. So this was the first year that we actually got full participation from Tesla uh, in terms of just getting all the information. And so they actually debuted with three vehicles in the top 10. Those are the Model X, the Model S, and the Model 3. Those were all very highly placed here. Uh, Those three cars are all built out of Fremont, California. That's in the San Francisco Bay Area. And they have very high US and Canadian parts. They have US engines and US US drivetrains, I should say. They're electric vehicles. But yeah, they they ended up uh, ranking pretty high on the list. So let's move on to the list. 91 vehicles across 24 different makes made the ranking. How about we just look at the top 10 briefly, Letterman style. Sure, yeah. The number one vehicle is the Ford Ranger. That's built in Wayne, Michigan, uh, near Detroit. And that vehicle actually has 70% U.S. and Canadian parts. It's got uh, U.S. engine and transmission sourcing. And so uh, it beat out the number two vehicle, the Jeep Cherokee, which is assembled just north of uh, Chicago in Belvedere, Illinois. The Teslas, the Model S and Model 3 built in California, those were numbers three and four. And then you've got a trio of Honda models. This it may be surprising to some consumers. They're actually built in Alabama. They're the Odyssey, the minivan, the Ridgeline pickup truck, and the Passport, kind of a, a two-row SUV. Uh, those are five, six, and seven. At number eight, you have the Chevrolet Corvette. That's built down in Kentucky. Number nine, the Tesla Model X. That's built, again, in uh, California. And at number 10, you have the Chevrolet Colorado. That's built in Wentzville, Missouri. That's uh, one of GM's two mid-sized pickup trucks. So still an influence by the domestic automakers. You know, a lot of Chevy, Ford, Jeep here in the, the list. But the further we go down the 91, the more we see others pop in there. Um, like Acura and Toyota and, and just just a, just a ton. Like I said, 24 different brands popping up in this list and uh, not going too uh, geekily deep into the numbers. But um, overall, um, from what I understand, there were 363 vehicles in production that could have been eligible. 124 were eligible for the ranking, but there's only 91 on the list. So what happened to the other 33? Well, that's a great question. So you're right. We, we break out uh, hybrid and plug-in variants as separate vehicles from their non-hybrids. So for example, the Toyota Camry and the Toyota Camry Hybrid are two separate cars for the AMI purposes. The reason we do that, we've been doing that ever since 2006, is because a lot of hybrids have very different components from their non-hybrid compatriots. So uh, that gave us reason to kind of break them out. So you start with that list of about 360 cars, nameplates on sale in the US. About close to 250 of those are fully imported. So there isn't any US production for that. And that gets us down to that 124 you were saying. And uh, that's where we get into these qualifications. And so the American Automobile Labeling Act says that if you're over 8,500 pounds gross vehicle weight rating, which is you know your full-size utility vans, your medium and heavy-duty pickup trucks, stuff like that, you don't actually have to submit any of this information. So because of that, there were a number of vehicles, about 10, that we didn't have on the list due to uh, the weights being too high. There was also uh, a small number where we couldn't 
get enough information. The car wasn't on sale yet. There weren't enough vehicles being sold. It didn't meet kind of some of our inventory requirements. And so that's where you get that kind of handful of cars that weren't rated. But we're pretty proud that we were able to get all 91 cars because, I mean, that's a big, big batch of cars. And that does give consumers interested in kind of looking at this list really something to choose from. I say, I was thinking if, if I'm a, an auto manufacturer too, now that I've got, there's 91 vehicles instead of, you know, 10, I'm jumping on this because if I can advertise that my vehicle is on this American-made list, no matter what the number is, that seems like a huge advantage. Absolutely. I mean, I think that there are absolutely meaningful differences in the credentials of cars that are near the top of the list versus cars that are at the bottom of the list. But I think there's going to be a temptation among people to call, you know, the bottom cars, the 91st car or whatever, the loser. And Actually, when you look at the full spectrum of, you know, 360 or so cars sold here, the 91st car is actually considerably more American by our standards than any of the 240 plus vehicles that are imported fully. So much has changed over the past several months, and it's becoming clear there is no longer a distinction between dealers' physical and digital showrooms. The retailers who could best create seamless experiences between the home, the driveway, and the physical lot will be the ones who win the second half of 2020. Cars is here to help with a new digital car selling guide that provides actionable insights on how you can navigate car selling in the post-COVID world. Visit growwithcars.com today to access this free resource and talk with your cars rep today about how we can help. Now, along with the release of this list, it's my understanding that uh, you've performed a survey of consumers to gauge just how much of a factor economic contribution is in their purchasing decisions. And what kind of things did you find out? Well, actually, it was very interesting. I mean, this year, uh, especially amid kind of the economic impact of COVID-19, uh, there's been a lot of talk about kind of people wanting to buy more local. There's been other surveys out there about this urge to buy local, to support your local economy, especially as so many small businesses are hurting. And we certainly saw that resonating through our survey this year. We do a survey around this every year of about a thousand licensed U.S. drivers. And we found this year about 70% considered kind of the economic impact of a vehicle, a really big part of their purchase decision. That was up four percentage points from the same question last year. We really zeroed in this year and we said, well, okay, so given the economic impact of COVID-19, how much has the pandemic really influenced your decision to try to buy American made? Has it increased it? Has it decreased it? And we actually found 37% said it's increased their desire to buy an American-made car. Only 4% said it had decreased it. Interesting. And we we don't know what, because uh, none of us are soothsayers, what the economy is going to do in the coming months. So I, I'm almost looking forward to seeing what that survey looks like a year from now, more than I am the AMI survey, because, you know, we could see some some long-term changes in buying patterns based on how the economy uh, rebounds or or doesn't rebound as much. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's 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 anybody's guess where this is all going to go. And, and certainly there's a lot of volatility right now if you even just look at the stock market, for example. And so, yeah, I mean, as this kind of goes forward, I, we really think this list of 91 cars does give consumers an idea of vehicles they could choose if they really care a lot about trying to maximize their impact to the local and national economy. And talking with consumers, do you find a lot of confusion in the marketplace? Like, is there a lot of surprise when buyers 
find out some cars aren't built domestically when they thought they were or vice versa? Yeah, I mean, we asked what percentage of cars do you think are built here out of the number that are sold here? And the real number, we, we looked at uh, vehicle identification numbers and we looked at thousands of vehicles in our own inventory and about 51%, just over half of cars that are uh, bought here are also built here, right? Only about one in four consumers actually kind of landed in that ballpark when we asked them that. And there's actually a substantial portion, you know, 30-40% of people we surveyed take a pretty dim view of, of U.S. manufacturing and said, you know, only 10-20-30% of cars bought here are also built here. So there's, there's actually kind of this disconnect there that goes on into, you know, where people think brands are based and and which, which vehicles are from where. And so, yeah, I think there's a lot of misinformation out there from people who, you know, just as simple as thinking, you know, Lexus is a German or American brand rather than it being a Japanese brand or that Tesla makes, uh, makes its cars here in the United States. There's a lot of people who just don't know those things. It seems like, and, and this isn't a knock on, on anything or anyone in particular, but bad news sells. Like we, we all know how, you know, Flint, Michigan has been hit over the years, how we've seen the shuttering of some production here in the States. But it seems like we don't hear as much when foreign automakers come in and they build plants. Because, I mean, there's been kind of a building boom here in the last decade or so in the South as, as far as, you know, what I seem to recall. But this, it seems like a lot of people don't notice the good news when it pops up around the country as much. Yeah, there's a lot of economic development going on right now. I mean, just in terms of plants coming up, we had, uh, you know, Volkswagen built a plant a number of years ago in Tennessee. We were seeing uh, Toyota working on a plant now in the South uh, in, in conjunction with Mazda. So there's a lot of, there is a lot of development going on there. And the Detroit automakers are also doing a, a fair amount as well. You know, interestingly, consumers want to know this. I mean, this is not due to a lack of desire for knowledge. We asked respondents in our survey, you know, how much would it influence your purchase decision if you had accurate, straightforward information kind of on the economic impact of one car versus another? And uh, four out of five, 80% said, you know, that would influence my decision <laughs> at least a little bit. So, you know, clearly people want to know more about this. And uh, there's been this kind of longstanding desire to know more, but a feeling like, you know, this is really complicated. This is hard to research. I could look up just where the car is built, I guess, but that alone doesn't necessarily tell you a whole lot. I, I mean, I don't want to beat this drum too much, but if I'm Honda, I'm slapping this label on my car windows on the lot, like top 10 American made vehicle, because that's got to draw people's attention. Yeah. I mean, this is very closely watched uh, on the industry side. I mean, we've talked with automakers, obviously, through the years, and, and this has become something that the, the auto industry pays very close attention to. And we've talked mostly about the impact of specific vehicles and, of course, the manufacturing of their parts, which, as you say, goes into it in the subsequent assembly. But now, that's all just a small part of the larger influence of auto on the U.S. economy, correct? Yeah. And, you know, it's important to remember that there's there's a lot of there, there's just so many nuances to it. Right, Peter? And so, I mean, even cars that are fully imported here, you know, 239 models we counted are fully imported to the United States. Um those still impact the U.S. economy because of the biggest single part of kind of auto jobs. When you look at the whole pie, the biggest slice is actually dealerships. So according to government data, as of early this year, there's about 830,000 Americans employed building cars or building their parts. Well, guess how many are employed at dealerships? 1.3 million. So that another way of saying that is if there were 10 people employed in those two sectors, only four of them would be employed building a car or making its parts in the country six of them would be employed selling the car. And those six are still employed, whether it's an import or whether it's a car that's 
built here. We want to look obviously at the whole value chain. So we're looking at a car that's built here with parts from here and sold here. But even if you're buying a car that's just fully imported here, you're still supporting some jobs. And so, you know, again, it's it's very complicated and we try our best to make sense of it, but the dealer jobs can't be ignored. And those are diversified across the country too, because not that manufacturing is only done in, in one area or, and I know part is even more, you know, diverse than that, but I mean, name a county with 20,000 people in this country that doesn't have at least one car dealership in it, employing a number of people. Right, and then you go down the chain to, you know, uh, vehicle repair facilities, mechanics, uh, people who wash your car, people who service the vehicle, tire shops, you know, auto parts stores. There's a whole, there's millions more people that work in those kind of subsectors. And so when you add it all up, you know, the auto industry and both the purchase and production of vehicles, but also just the ownership of vehicles employs a lot of Americans. And, and who knows what, again, the future holds there post-COVID, not that we're necessarily post yet. We we hope we're <laughs> getting there. But, you know, starting to see some of those trends emerge first in Asia now here of, you know, people saying, maybe I don't want to ride the bus. Maybe I don't want to take the train and, and potentially expanding, you know, auto ownership in this country, especially inside big cities. Um, how we might even see that grow through tougher economic times for the rest of this year. Yeah, I mean, we have saw the CDC guidance about basically, you know, the personal vehicle is really the, the safest way to get around right now. And, um, you know, we're, we're, we're seeing some shift in consumer sentiment that way. Uh, you know, people uh, are realizing that especially coming out of kind of the first wave, hopefully the only wave of COVID-19 in this country, that public transportation can be this real center point of spreading this spreading this pandemic. And so uh, getting back to personal vehicles, that seems to be the safest way to go. And consumers seem to be starting to recognize that. Kelsey May, Senior Consumer Affairs Editor for Cars.com. Thank you for joining us today to celebrate American-made vehicles. And if people want to check out the entire list and everything that your team has uh, written up on this, where can they find it? They can go to cars.com slash AMI. If you haven't stopped by the news section on cars.com recently, I highly recommend it. There is a world of information at your fingertips, literally. And besides learning a thing or two yourself, it's very helpful to see what consumers are going to be reading including the latest reviews that will drive them, pun intended, into the showroom. There's a lot you're not going to get elsewhere, including projects like the American Made Index, which is certainly going to help shape many buying decisions in the coming months. I'm Peter Stork. Thanks again for listening and tune in next time for another new episode of Unscheduled Maintenance.